0: Thanks for listening to the Light Church Podcast. This sermon was recorded in San Diego, California. We pray that the Lord would speak to you through his word. For more information, you can visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Right now we're looking at a theme. We've entitled the series called Trellis, where we're looking at the theme of spiritual formation. And... Spiritual formation is best understood kind of like this image. It's it's understood that we incorporate certain practices, habits, rhythms, disciplines in our life that help lay out the framework for our life, not for us just to do more, but for us to receive more. And, And I hope you get that's really important in spiritual formation. We'll be talking about two different disciplines every week between now and Thanksgiving, and the temptation is going to be, I need to just go and do more of these things. But that's really not the point. The point of spiritual formation is for you to actually do less. It's for you to open yourself up more for God to do the work. Because we live in a society that champions doing and performance and achievement. But the spirit is unique. The spirit doesn't grow unless there is proper soil, sunlight, water. And so us organizing our life in such a way that allows that to happen. Because you all have a trellis. You all already, if you just look at your calendar, your priority list, you've already set in motion a mechanism for your spirit to arrive at a certain destination. And you might be like, well, I don't do spiritual formation. Yes, we all do. We organize our life around certain priorities, values, and that creates a certain result. And so what spiritual formation at its best does is that we organize our life in the way of Jesus to receive the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the words of the Holy Spirit. And so as we go through these different disciplines, and we'll say this quite a few times, um, this this is not just a bunch of things for you to do more of, but rather, hopefully you'll find a handful of them that you're like, you know what, I, I think I can reorganize my life with some of those different habits or rhythms or disciplines. And by doing that, it's going to open me up more to the heart of the Father, open me up more to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage you as we move forward in this just to look at that. And so this week, uh, which is very apt for the kind of Sunday that we're diving into, we're looking at two different disciplines. The first one is the discipline of celebration, The the Christian discipline of joy and celebrating. And then we're also going to be looking at the discipline of mission. And we're going to be looking at these two different disciplines, celebration and mission. But probably more importantly than studying them as two individual things, we're going to be looking at the intersection of of both of them. How does mission and celebration intersect? Before we dive in, though, before we read our text for this morning... Um, A quick just word, when we talk about celebration, joy, things like that, Um, on mornings like this, it feels appropriate. It's like, yeah, it's our anniversary. We come in ready to celebrate. But as a pastor, whenever I talk about the theme of joy or celebration, um, I'm in a room with people who their life doesn't merit joy and celebration, the, the amount of people that I've sat with this week in their homes, at coffee shops, on the phone, that their life is in a, in a unique season of grief or loss. And as I'm writing this sermon, I found myself kind of working through, I'm like, well, Lord, what, is, what does that look like? What does that look like to to instruct on something that may almost feel inappropriate for someone based on the circumstances that they're going through? Proverbs actually says it like this, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. You guys ever had that feeling, right? If you're married and someone like the spouse just takes the blanket away or something like that. Or like vinegar poured on a wound. Never had that happen. Not going to try it. Apparently, it's really painful. It says this. Is the one who sings songs to a heavy heart. So that's not the goal today. If you're in a season right now, it's like, man, my, I'm, in, I'm just in a rough spot. Or I'm dealing with loss or things like that. The goal is not for us to sing songs to a heavy heart. But maybe, maybe there's something in the midst of us talking about celebration and mission that actually can help, help you reorient yourself with in terms of how do I walk through this and what awaits for me on the other side of this but the reality is, is most of us just don't go through hard seasons or good these seasons. We actually go through both at the same time. Last night, Jen and I were at a wedding for a friend of ours, um, and he, he got married to a girl they started dating a few months ago. And this wedding was unique because his wife, he's a young guy, he's younger than me, his wife passed away two years ago. And so we're at this wedding, and in one moment we're like dancing, to like Miley Cyrus on the dance floor, and in the next moment, we're all weeping as his oldest son is giving a speech about him missing his mom, but excited to welcome this new woman into their life. It was this, it was this like, like emotionally, like what is, this is so much going on, yet it felt holy. It felt sacred. There's something about sacred and holy places that invite joy and pain at the same time. And that's what the Spirit of God does. Because the Spirit is everywhere, He is with us in our greatest joys and our greatest pains. And so I believe this morning that even if you're like, man, I don't want to hear a sermon on celebration, uh, that there would be something in this where God would meet you. And that there would be something that you find you to be able to hold both tension. And so, we, uh, so what we're going to do this morning is I just want to read the text, which comes out of Luke chapter 4. This is a really important moment in the Gospels. This is when Jesus, uh, after he is in the, in the wilderness, tempted by Satan, filled with the Holy Spirit, shows up at his hometown, and he gives essentially his first sermon. And his first sermon, his, his inaugural address is something we should pay close attention to. So would you stand to your feet as we read the passage this morning? Luke 4, verse 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and rolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind." to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. This moment, in this tiny, migrant town of Nazareth, not even on an archaeological map, Jesus sat in the synagogue, which would have been kind of like a community center, with the people he grew up with. And as he gets into the synagogue, he asks for the scroll of Isaiah. The fact they even had a scroll of Isaiah probably meant that was their only scroll they had. There's no printing presses. It was probably the most valuable possession in the entire city. And he unrolls the scroll, and he begins. There's no chapters or verses in it. And he makes his way to this specific part, which is at the very end of the, one of the longest books of the Old Testament. And he finds this moment, and he begins to start declaring these words that would have carried with them significant weight because he's reading to a people who are currently oppressed by the Roman government. And he starts to read them these powerful words that he's been filled with the Spirit to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And then the last line he says... And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That can also be translated the year of jubilee. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. So Jesus says, the the spirit is on me. I'm here for the prisoner, for the blind. I'm here to set free those who are oppressed. And then he says, this is the year of jubilee. He rolls up the scroll, passes it to the attendant, sits down, which was the posture of the teacher. And everyone's eyes are fixed on him. And he looked at everyone and he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus has done nothing up to that point. But by his mere presence, he says, this is not coming, this is here now. This is fulfilled. I am the sign of jubilee. I am the sign of freedom. I am the sign of sight. Everywhere I go. Now, this would have carried tremendous weight. This this actually was so disturbing for those people that they actually wanted to kill him because of the magnitude of what he was saying about himself. But the reason why this would have been carried such weight for the ancient, or for the people who understood the ancient document, was the year of Jubilee carried significance when hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years before even the prophet Isaiah, Moses was used by God to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And before they got to the promised land, they're wandering around the wilderness, and God gives them the, the laws, the Ten Commandments, the way to live. And in his way of instruction to live, he gave them this practice. He says, every seven years, every Sabbath year, you are to rest. Rest the soil, forgive debts. But then he says, Every seven times seven, so every 49th year, the 50th year, says it's to you to be a jubilee. In Leviticus 25, verse 10 says, Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap what grows of itself of harvest, the unattended vines. For it is a jubilee, it is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. And so what would happen is that they wouldn't grow anything. It would just be like, we get to rest. If there was any debt, it was forgiven. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says, In the Old Testament, All the social stipulations of the year of Jubilee canceling all debts, releasing slaves, planting no crops, returning property to the original owner, were a celebration of the gracious provision of God. God could be trusted to provide whatever we needed. It's like you knew when when Jubilee showed up. This is, by the way, why we named our second daughter this. It's such a significant picture for the Jewish people. And when Jesus shows up, he says, Jubilee's here. Debts have been forgiven. If you're enslaved, you're free. If you're blind, you have sight. If you're poor, you have hope. He ushers in his presence. And what was so incredible about this is that for Jesus, and this is what I hope you're catching, celebration, which which was a whole year of partying, and mission were joined together. For Jesus, celebration and mission were not two separate disciplines. They were one and the same. So I want to just focus on three quick things. Number Number one, we celebrate, as, as followers of Jesus, we celebrate as a means of mission. Secondly, our mission is cause in and of itself for celebration. And thirdly, we celebrate because we are the objects and subjects of Christ's mission towards us. So first one, we celebrate as a means of mission. Matthew eleven nineteen 19 says, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, he is a glutton, a glutton or a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Now this is an interesting verse, especially the first part, that we actually see the missional strategy Jesus had when he showed up. And this was, this was his paraphrase. Jesus came eating and drinking. And if you think about, if you're like in like the boardroom of heaven, thinking about the best use of Jesus' time while here on earth, the best way for him to proclaim the gospel, the best way for him to extend the kingdom of God. At some point within the conversation within the Trinity, they said this, the most effective way for you to expand the kingdom of God and announce the kingdom of God at your arrival is through eating and drinking. It's, it's go, you feast. You go and you bring in the people that have been excluded from the feasts, the tax collectors who would have been kind of just repulsed, repulsive in that society, the sinners, those who have been ostracized by the religious elite. Bring them in, eat with them, feast with them, celebrate. Why? Because Jesus came to bring jubilee. He came to bring celebration. He came to announce freedom. And he did that. And so as followers of Jesus, when we think about engaging in the mission of Christ, what I would encourage you to think about is how do you do that marked by celebration? How do you do that in the manner of Jesus coming and eating and drinking? I love this, that the first thing I would encourage you to think about is that Jesus is our model of pure happiness and joy and gladness. Which maybe for you, if you were to imagine Jesus, that may not be like the first thing you think of when you think of Jesus. Just like, I don't know. um, Like you you guys know like the happiest person you know? Like what if Jesus is like, I got you. I got that guy beat. But according to Hebrews 1.9, which quotes Psalm 45.7, I'm gonna read you the quote here. This is a prophecy about Jesus that was fulfilled. It says, You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above all your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Meaning that when they're prophesying about Jesus coming, they're saying he has more joy than any of his companions. Essentially, it's saying he's happier than anyone else you could compare him to. John Piper says that Jesus Christ is the happiest being in the universe. His gladness is greater than all the angelic gladnesses of heaven. He mirrors perfectly the infinite, holy, indomitable mirth. Uh, Mirth means amusement, especially as expressed in laughter of his father. And you might be like, "Could you?" I mean, when's the last time you imagined Jesus laughing? Not at you, you know, maybe that's more common, but just in general. Like, imagine, again, uh, confession, I've never watched The Chosen before. I know, I know, I'm probably the only pastor that hasn't done it. So I hear that like he's presented like as kind of a likable guy in this show. But this sermon has challenged me to imagine Jesus laughing quite a bit. Like he's someone who enjoyed it. Look at Luke's version of the Beatitudes when he says this, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. The word blessed in the Greek is makarios. It could be better translated as just happy. Happy are you. Now, this is all paradox, right? Happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Happy are you who are a hunger, for you will be satisfied. Happy are you who weep now. And how does that work? And he says, Because you will, there will come a day you will laugh. It's a promise. He says, My kingdom works that those who have been robbed from joy. Experience loss and pain. There is a promise that comes along with my kingdom that you will laugh. The medical benefits of laughter um, are amazing. Essentially what's happening when you're laughing is you're increasing your intake of oxygen-rich air, which improves your circulation in your body, helps prevent disease, even stroke. It helps your production of your brain's natural sense of painkillers and stress relief. From all these things. And so there's all this research that if you just laugh. Now, granted, preachers, there's a lot of things that culture wants us to laugh at that frankly aren't that funny. But I think sometimes, somehow along the way, we've kind of been like church and Christianity, this is like the serious stuff. But when Jesus came, he's like, I'm, according to my prophecy, I'm happier than all y'all, right? I know how to laugh. And I came here to actually proclaim jubilee to you. So as followers of Jesus, there should be something in us that embraces humor, it embraces laughter, it embraces joy. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letter says, humor involves a sense of proportion and seeing ourselves from the outside. The comic muse teaching us to humbly see ourselves as others see us. To have perspective outside of our own myopic view. Which is fascinating that humor in itself, according to Lewis, puts you outside of yourself is one of the greatest ways clinically to combat depression. If, if, and again, there's, this is a complex issue, but one of the ways they say that is most effective in battling depression is getting outside of yourself, caring for others, laughing, just realizing because laughter does that, puts you outside. Like, oh my goodness, this is, this is joy. This is what's so good. You know, there's another prophecy in Psalm chapter two. It talks about God laughing. In Psalm two, verses two through four says, "The king of the earths rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying." let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. And so this is the first two verses are the, the kingdoms of the world mocking God. And verse 4 says the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. It's like it's like God's like trash talking the people who are like mocking him. He's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> "Look at these silly little people that I made." And it's like there's there's something about the Bible that says, like, "Hey, Don't just think of God as this stoic, emotionless being. This God carries joy and celebration not only inside of him. He came to bring it. It's how he brings about mission, which means if we can capture this, joy actually becomes our apologetic. It becomes our witness. It becomes a way to actually, to to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the world around us. It's probably why Paul and Philippians, actually all of Philippians, he just encourages them, rejoice, which is just, it's the word joy in verb form. He's telling, joy, joy in your circumstances. And this is written from a man in prison. And in Philippians 4.4 4, says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And so Paul is instructing this church undergoing persecution while he himself is in joy. He says, guess what your posture is? It's joy. It's what we do. Bono, the singer of U2, says that joy is the ultimate act of defiance. Richard Foster on the subject says, We need to be lighthearted in what we do to avoid taking ourselves too seriously. It is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. I love that. Joy is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. So, some of you guys just need to stop taking yourself so seriously. Okay? Like Jesus laughs at you. You can laugh at yourself too, right? Like we're, we're enjoying the goodness and the presence of God. And that is blessed and welcomed by our creator. Garrison Keillor says, some people think it's difficult to be a Christian and to laugh. But I think it's the other way around. God writes a lot of comedy. It's just that He has so many bad actors. <laughs> John 10:10 says, "The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and life to the full." And I think this is really the, the essence and the point that I really want to present to you this morning. And for some of you, celebration is literally a discipline. It doesn't come natural. Some of you guys, you're like naturally, you're like a seven on the Enneagram. You love having fun. You're like, this is my favorite sermon ever. Like, I'm allowed to be who I am. There are some of us in the room that celebration is literally an act of faith. It's an act of defiance. It's It's a cheerful revolt. It is to say, you know what? Despite of the brokenness of the world, I'm going to continue to live a life that is marked by joy because of what Jesus has done in me and through me. Arrhenius says the glory of God is a man fully alive. Next, our, our mission is cause for celebration. Our mission is cause for Celebration. I find it really interesting. We've talked about this year of jubilee that was given to the Israelites. The Israelites at that time had been enslaved for hundreds of years. Brian talked about this last week, right? This is why Sabbath was so important. But alongside Sabbath rest, he also informed them, you are to feast periodically throughout the year. These feasts weren't like tacos after church. These were week, long, holy festivals. They would eat and drink and laugh and dance and they would do this unto the glory of God it was like God was teaching them to have joy again so for the people of God it was important for him to say every once in a while you just need to stop and celebrate you need to be able to do this now one of those one of those celebrations was what was later going to be called Pentecost Pentecost was the celebration of God giving them the law it was the, when the Ten Commandments came down and it, was, and it was given to them. And so every year from that moment on, the Hebrews would celebrate through feasting. And after Jesus ascended from heaven, which after Jesus' death at Passover, 50 days after Pentecost, 50, 50 days after Pentecost, or after Passover, was Pentecost. And so what do the Jews do? They come into Jerusalem, and they worship, and they celebrate, and they feast. Well, Jesus' followers are mourning. They're praying. They're in a room together, and they're doing what Jesus told them to do. And in Acts 2.14, One through four says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came in, and heaven filled the whole house where they were eating. They saw where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I I love this. Please catch this. It was on the Jewish feasting holiday where the Spirit came and empowered what would now become the church. Not a coincidence. That we see joy and mission married. The Spirit of God coming. And what's the accusation that they have? These guys are drunk. They're accusing them of partying at 9 a.m. in the morning. So what does a church filled with the Spirit look like? It looks like the envy of all the world. It looks like a people filled with joy, not not escaping and numbing reality, but enjoying reality, right? Not not trying to get away from something, but enjoying the very real goodness of God. And this, this started the church. E. Stanley Jones in his book, Abundant Living, says the early Christians did not dismay, saying, look what the world has come to. But in delight, look what has come into the world. I think so oftentimes, if we're not careful, the posture of Christianity is just, look what the world has come to. But what the people of God does is no, look what has come into the world. This is why we celebrate, this is why we do this, because the mission of God. Jen and I, after we enjoy talkers with you guys, we're actually driving down to Tijuana to, to be with our brothers and sisters at Ciudad de Dios. It's actually their anniversary today too. It's their 12th year anniversary of a little tiny four square church plant, which now serves 15 to 2,000 refugees every single day, feeding them and caring for them. And I'm talking to Pastor Gustavo and he says, will you come celebrate with us? And I'm excited to be going down. And we're going to be with people who have gone through levels of loss and trauma that I don't even want to imagine. And today they will celebrate. They will celebrate God's intervention in all of reality through the church that has brought safety and food and the gospel. And today, as we celebrate a year into this expression of this church plant, my encouragement to you is is celebrate. Eat like an extra taco in the name of the Lord, right? Can you just, you're welcome, okay? Just some homework for you guys. And in all seriousness, um, would you pay attention this week? Just having some joy. Like just lean into it. If you're laughing, don't, like, move on. Like, find time. Like, where you're, like, oh, and as you're experiencing that joy, realize, again, this is, I'm not adding anything to your life. I'm saying, just would you notice the goodness of God? Which kind of leads to my last point. Luke chapter 10 is talking again about this, this marriage of mission and celebration. says, after... This the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of them into every town and place where he asked them to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. It's this commissioning. It's what this morning's about. Like, guys, we did a year, but there's a whole city out there that we get to go and love and proclaim the gospel to. Go. And it says, if you skip down to verse 17, the 72 returned with joy. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. what are they doing they're celebrating they're like you're never gonna believe this this stuff works they're literally casting out demons they're going and bringing the kingdom of god but listen to jesus response this is where i want to end the morning he replied it's almost like he's like you think that's cool check this out i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Listen, there's a lot to celebrate. We're celebrating the baptisms that have happened this year, those who've given their life to Jesus, a new work of God that's happening in the city. But... This morning, I want to end our time telling us to celebrate what Jesus told the disciples to celebrate. Your names are written in heaven. That is why we have joy. That is why we rejoice. I mean, there is something about the gospel that no matter what is going on in your life, there is always something in the well you can draw from in terms of joy. And It does not diminish pain, loss or what you're going through, but what it says is that Jesus came to conquer death, hell and the grave, sin and shame. We have life. Your name. If you express your faith in Jesus, you've given your life over to Jesus. Your name is written in heaven. And so he's telling you, like, can you imagine his disciples are coming back like, you're never going to believe this. We just had the coolest missions trip you've ever heard about. I got to tell you what Philip did. No, 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 let me tell you, John, that was crazy. We saw that. And Jesus says, that's cool, guys. I saw Satan fall like lightning. But in the midst of your celebration, keep celebrating, but celebrate because your names are written in heaven. Your names are are not just theirs, our names, because of what Jesus has done. Augustine says the Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. You should be an alleluia. You should be a shout of praise to God with your life. And so this is what I'd love for us to do. I would love for us just to, we're going to pause just for a moment because I wanna give an invitation and opportunity. If there's anyone, and you're just like, that language, my name written in heaven, that's new for me. This this idea of living a life marked by celebration and mission, this is new for me, and and you're intrigued by the person of Jesus, and this morning, we just wanna give you space. If you want to lean into trusting your life in the hands of Jesus, we just wanna give you a moment to do that. And then what we're gonna do is, after we pray and give you that moment, we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to sing because our names are written in heaven. And then we're going to go and we're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to come and eat and drink and feast and glory, not just in great food and friends, but in the fact that God has come and made a way for us to be reunited with him. So we just take a moment right now? We just bow your heads? Just give a moment of just, just privacy and space. And, I, and this is... This is what the Bible says, I love this. It's good news. This is good news. If, if you this morning are hearing this and there's something in your heart that's like, this is what I've been longing for. Jesus is what I've been longing for. I am a part of the captives that need to be set free. I'm the blind that need to receive sight. I am, I am the one that needs to be healed. If, the, if you are ready to say, Jesus, I'm giving my life in trust and in faith to you, And in so doing, you get to have your name written in heaven. If that's you this morning, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? Amazing, thank you. Anyone else that you're just like, man, that's what I want my story to be? Awesome, thank you. I know that that even just takes courage, even if everyone's head bowed to do that. Just one more second. Anyone who's like, yeah, that's my decision this morning. It's two people this morning. Anyone else who just like, man, that's that's the desire of my heart incredible. I'm just going to go ahead and pray if you want to just go ahead, regardless of where you are, if you raised your hand or not, just in your own heart, would you begin to pray this out to the Lord? Heavenly Father, thank you that you came for the lost and the broken, the oppressed, and you came to give us life. Jesus, I just confess that I don't experience and know life apart from you. So would you come and make me whole? Forgive me of my sin. Or would you make me right with, with you and the world around me? Would you come and make me whole? And Lord, in response, I give you my life today. Teach me what it means to walk and to trust in you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. We, yeah, we, let's, let's applaud. What's so cool about that, the couple of people that raised their hands or even people who didn't, it says that when, when that happens, it says that there is a, a celebration in heaven. Can you guys imagine, like, the taco truck in heaven? It's got to be so good. Like, there's a party. So I'm, all I'm going to do is I'm going to invite, can we join in with heaven? Can we celebrate this morning? But not just right now, but on Monday and Wednesday and in the weeks and months to come, would you say... I celebrate as a spiritual discipline to open myself up to the goodness of God and for who he is. Just stand to your feet as we pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you that we get to celebrate a church that has had a year together in this new chapter, Lord God. But thank you that your church is nothing new. It's 2,000 years. It's hit every single city and, and country, Lord God. We're asking that we continue to grow and expand, that you would let this church be filled with your spirit and move us into the city around us, into the relationships around us, Lord God, to bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you that our names are written in heaven, and for that we sing and we worship the glory of God. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Light Church Podcast. This sermon was recorded in San Diego, California. We pray that the Lord would speak to you through his word. For more information, you can visit our website, lightsandiego.com.